Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 210, Turkey Mulligan Stew. And I am your host, and the guy who is going camping this weekend, and it is supposed to be cold. So you guys up north are going to laugh when I say this, but it is supposed to be 34 degrees for a low Sunday morning. And I know a lot of you don't think that's cold, but when you're sleeping outside, that's pretty darn cold, especially for a southern boy. And where I am going camping, which is on my property down in Chilton County, which is south of Birmingham, it will be even colder. Yes, I will be south of Birmingham, where I live, and it's supposed to be 34, and it will be colder where I am going camping. I joke around and say that where my property is in Chilton County is the coldest place on the face of the earth. The temperature there will be probably 8 to 10 degrees colder. So I'm going to say mid to upper 20s for a low, and I really expect that we're going to have a pretty heavy frost. So it will be an interesting night, and I would imagine by the time the morning rolls around, my tent will be pretty much sitting in the fire so I can keep warm. So I'm having a hard time believing this number, but it's accurate. The number is 129 days. 10 hours, 45 minutes, and 58 seconds until opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. Just over four months. I'm still amazed at how quickly it's gone by. So I told you that we've got a turkey mulligan stew for you today. And as some of you in the Appalachian Mountains may know it, a turkey burgoo. But you may be wondering, what in the world is Andy talking about? Okay, most of you guys listening to the show know I ask you each and every year to send in your show topic ideas. And a lot of you guys do that for me. And I try pretty hard to bring those topics to you. I don't always get to them. And I don't always get to them when I want to get to them. But I've always felt like, and I still feel like, this show is your show. If I'm not bringing you topics that you want to hear and not helping you guys to be more successful in the turkey woods, then I don't know why you 
or anyone else would listen to the show. I know you're not listening solely due to my wit, my charm, sense of humor, and rugged good looks. Heck, my wife only listens to about one show every other year because of those reasons not because of the turkey information that we share. Another reason that I ask for show topics is because I don't know what you don't know. I have over 20 years turkey hunting experience. You may have zero years or you may have 40 years. We know different things. We hunt different turkeys. Your field turkeys don't act like my field turkeys. Your woods turkeys don't act like my woods turkeys. And if I don't hear from you, then I'll never know you or what you want or need to learn more of. All right. Many times when I receive show topic ideas from you guys, those ideas are really not broad enough or big enough, in my opinion, to make an entire 30 to 60 minute episode about. But, and that's a big but, what I can do with these small targeted topics is to put several of them into one show. Now in the past I've turned turkey news into turkey soup episodes for you guys. This week I'm turning kind of a hodgepodge of turkey hunting tips, tactics, and strategies into a pot of turkey mulligan stew. I am affectionately going to call this week's pot of turkey mulligan stew the Joe Casalco recipe because Joe actually sent in both of the topics that I'm going to cover in today's show. Joe's a longtime listener to the show and a heck of a nice guy to boot. Now, I'm not covering Joe's topic suggestions for those reasons, but I am going to cover them because he's made some suggestions for topics that I've never covered by myself or even with a guest on this podcast before. So are you ready? All right, let's do this. The first topic suggestion from Joe is... Safe and practical ways to circle or get ahead of uncooperative birds. So if you've ever hunted turkeys, then you know exactly what Joe's talking about. There are several scenarios that arise every season when we need to circle turkeys while we're hunting. Most of those circling strategies are put into place for one of two reasons. Either to get ahead of a moving gobbler that we're hunting, or to reposition to change our setup location to a location that is more favorable for the gobbler we are hunting to approach us. I think that I have different approaches for each of those two reasons to circle a tom, and I want to talk about circling to get ahead of a bird first. Circling a tom to get ahead of him means that that bird is on the move to get somewhere. Now, I'm not talking about runners. You guys know what runners are. They're those frustrating, nearly impossible to kill, gobbling fools that don't stay in one spot for more than about 60 seconds. They are a huge thorn in my rear end about once a season. So since I'm not talking about runners, what I am talking about is a tom that has a territory a home range that he stays in almost all the time, a range that he may roost in the exact same tree every night, or he may have three to five different roosting areas that he may roost in on any given night. He gobbles in the morning after fly down, he acts interested in our calls, but 
he doesn't come in. He stays in the general vicinity of where he flew down, waiting for the hen he heard sweet talking in him to show up. But when she doesn't, he gives that see you later gobble and starts to move on. So what do we do now? Well, I can tell you from experience that I have had little to no luck going to where that turkey flew down to and was gobbling from and trying to call him back there immediately after he has left that area. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't work, but I have not had any luck doing that. Instead, I'm going to try to figure out where that bird wants to go next, and I want to get there before he does, at least five minutes before he does. So when we begin our circling of that bird to try to get ahead of him, we have pretty much two choices of an approach here. If we know where he wants to go after he leaves his fly down spot, then we need to decide if we want to intercept him on his way to his destination, whether that's a field or a creek or a lake or a strut zone, or do we want to get to that field or creek or lake or strut zone where he's heading and wait him out. Personally, I think that trying to intercept him is the least effective of those two strategies because that tom may take a circuitous route to get to the field, the creek, the lake, or the strut zone that he's headed to. And if the tom gets within 75 to 100 yards of our setup, and within 75 to 100 yards of his destination, then I think probably about nine times out of 10, we're gonna lose that battle because that Tom is going to go to his destination. He's gonna gobble, strut, drum, and he's going to expect that hen that was calling to him and talking dirty to him just a few minutes earlier to come to him after he arrives at his destination. Most often, if he beats you to the spot where he really wants to be, you lose. With that said, we should go to that place that he wants to be and wait on him to show up. Sometimes, we don't even have to call, but we all love to call. So a little, and I mean very little, calling shouldn't hurt. So how do we go about circling this Tom without spooking him? Well, first and foremost, I hope that that Tom's gobbling regularly on his own so that we can keep up with his location. But if he's not gobbling regularly enough, then we will want to use locator calls to keep him gobbling. I think that one mistake that we make in this situation is that we keep him gobbling every breath because we love to hear him gobble. But we don't want that Tom gobbling every breath because that is the perfect situation for him to call in a hen, a predator, or another hunter, the ultimate predator. Again, if he's gobbling every breath on his own, then we just have to hope for the best and get where he wants to be quickly. Okay, we're gonna try to keep him gobbling every two to three minutes, and we're gonna circle him while keeping enough distance between us and the turkey so that we don't spook him while we're moving. So how much distance is enough distance? That's a great question. I kind of estimate how far I can see in the woods by crouching down to where I'm at what I think is eye level with a turkey and will sometimes double but most likely triple that distance. So if I crouch down and I can see 50 yards, then I'm going to try to stay 
between 100 and 150 yards away from where that turkey is. I want to be sure that turkey is not going to see me. By doing that, we're going to help to account for the amount of foliage on the trees. So in early spring, we might be able to see 100 or 150 yards through the woods. And if that's the case, then we need to be a bare minimum of 200 to 300 yards away from where that turkey is gobbling. So from there, we should try to keep that amount of distance between the tom and us, and then we should try to move as quickly and quietly as possible to where we think that tom is headed. Now, we all know that quickly and quietly most often do not go well together in the woods. So we need to find that happy medium. At times for me, that happy medium has nearly been an all-out sprint, but most of the time it's a pretty quick pace. If it's early spring and I'm keeping 300 to 400 yards between me and a gobbling turkey, I don't have much of an issue walking quickly and making noise in the woods. I don't think that walking quickly and making noise in the leaves and walking through the woods is as big a deal as it is when we are 100 yards away from a gobbling turkey. We should use the terrain to our advantage. Use it as a shield between us and the turkey as much as we can. And we shouldn't be. We should never be afraid to stand next to a tree when we get to the Tom's desired location and stand there waiting for him to show. Sometimes that 15 to 30 seconds saved by standing instead of sitting up against a tree is the difference in a happy ride or a sad ride home. The second circling scenario is the one that we're going to use when we just need to reposition ourselves because our original setup is in a location that the tom does not want to go. As much as I would love to tell you that this never happens to me, man, I can't even BS you guys about this one because you'll see right through it. We all like to plan our approaches and setups and get those right the first time that we try, but turkey hunting just doesn't work out that way. We turkey hunters are going to have to reposition on a turkey, sometimes multiple times, in order to be able to get an opportunity to get a shot at him. The bad thing about this fact is that we will never get an answer from a turkey as to why our current setup is not going to work. But it could be a fallen tree, a ditch full of water, hey, a ditch with no water, the angle of the sun and the direction of the gobbler's approach, Whatever the reason may be, there's going to be a time when we're going to have to reposition to better our chances of harvesting that tom. Now, I think that repositioning on a hung-up tom should be one of the last tactics that we consider. And a lot of times, I will play the quiet game with a bird before I move just to try to get him to break and come check out the area where that hen was calling to him just a few minutes before she went silent and maybe walked away. You know, I have two real last resort tactics on a hung up gobbler. One of those tactics is to gobble at him on private land, of course. The second tactic is just sit down against a tree and take a nap. No, seriously though, the quiet game is one of the most deadly turkey hunting tactics that there is. 
in my opinion again, going silent on a gobbling tom for 30 minutes or so is often just too much for him to handle. And of course, it works better when ready, willing, and able live hens are not plentiful. After trying the quiet game for half an hour to 45 minutes, if he still hasn't broken and he's still in the same spot, then I'll attempt to circle that tom to get in a position or a setup that I think will work best for me, as long as the tom cannot possibly see me. Now, before I ever move, and remember, I've just been playing the quiet game for 30 or 45 minutes, so I've had time, plenty of time, to run this scenario through my head. But before I move, I know where I'm going to go to try to call that turkey in. And I am playing out in my head what is between where that turkey is hung up and where I'm going to reposition that could possibly be another obstruction for him in his approach to the end of my shotgun barrel. Now you guys know that I like to set up uncomfortably close to a gobbler. That often means that I have to back out of an area the same way that I came into that area on my belly crawling. But once I get out of the area, I try to make my move as quietly as possible around that tom to an area that I feel confident in saying that he would come to. In this case, I'm going to try to keep about two times the distance that I can see in the woods between me and the tom while I'm circling. And I'm much more worried about the amount of noise that I'm making during this move than I am with my speed. You know, we should all try to walk like a turkey walks anytime we're in the woods, but especially when we're circling a hung up gobbler. I try extremely hard to listen for any turkey sounds at all while I'm moving, and I take extra, extra, extra care not to touch or bump any small saplings or vines while I'm making my move. I do not want to alarm that turkey to my presence by shaking a treetop that is 15 feet in the air. Now, if we can use the terrain again to protect our movement while we're circling a hung up tom, then obviously that's a great idea. And now one thing that I'll do is something I just told you that I do. But when I get to that predetermined second setup spot, I'm going to cover that last 10 to 15 yards on my belly crawling in order to close the distance and get closer to that gobbler that I'm comfortable with. One thing that I think we should absolutely not do in this situation is call with a turkey call. And I really don't even like to call with a locator call while I'm making a move on a hung up gobbler. We should try to stay in fairly close to that tom while moving. And we don't want him moving towards us at the same time that we are moving to try to get around him. There are so many factors that go against us when moving to get around a turkey that it is amazing it ever works. The good news for us is that circling around a turkey is a killer tactic. And now I think that the last and the lost piece of the circling puzzle is knowing when to pack up and head to the house because there are times when we may spook that turkey and not know it and there are times when we have not spooked that turkey but think we have. So 
How long should we sit after we reposition? A good rule of thumb for me has been that I try to commit 60 minutes to every single setup spot. I believe that if I haven't killed that tom within 60 minutes of repositioning, then there is a greater chance than not that I spooked him or he got bored or he called in a hen or any of the hundreds of other reasons as to why turkeys don't commit. The thing is, if he's called in a hen and the hen is not taking him away, when he's done breeding that hen, he most likely is going to fire up and start gobbling again from that same spot. But if we don't give that tom and that hen 30, 45 minutes, even an hour to do their business, no, it doesn't take them that long to do it, but sometimes they hang out together that long before the hen wanders off. If we don't give them that amount of time, then we may very well leave that turkey in the woods right where he's been the entire time. I think it's kind of crazy how I didn't think that I could make a whole episode out of that topic, but I came darn near making it happen by talking for almost 20 minutes about it. So another one of Joe's topic suggestions is adapting and evolving with birds as they receive pressure from hunting. This is an interesting topic, and I think it's a pretty easy topic to cover and a tough topic to cover at the same time, because I could probably sum up the topic with about one sentence, but I don't believe that's really going to do the topic justice. And so I'm going to say this. We all want to hunt turkeys and deer that are unpressured. We all do. Maybe not every single day. I don't think we want a layup or a slam dunk every single day. Sometimes we want those half-court shots. But the truth of the matter is that when we hunt deer or turkeys the very first time on a piece of property that has not been hunted for years, we pressure them. They are not the same carefree critters that they were before we stepped foot on that property. They become tainted goods. So that's stating the obvious, and I know that that's not really what Joe wanted me to talk about, He wants to know what can we do to adapt ourselves to the turkeys as they adapt themselves to us. And I think this is much easier to answer and explain than it is to actually execute. You know, you'll often hear Ray I say that he doesn't believe that there is such a thing as a call-shy turkey. And I see his argument there in the respect that turkeys are just turkeys. They do what they know how to do. They eat. They drink. They poop, they breed, and they survive. Those are the five things that they have to do over the course of 24 hours. They don't have anything else to do. But that last job duty, the survival, is an important one. And it trumps all the other job duties that they have to do. And this is probably where Ray would say that the turkeys have to do those four other job duties in order to complete the final job duty of staying alive. And yes, they have to eat. They have to drink. They have to breed in order to survive. The need to breed is born into turkeys. It's born into all wild animals and maybe some of us that are not so wild. So 
Now, having hunted some of the most uncooperative turkeys on the face of the earth for the vast majority of my turkey hunting days, I can tell you that a male wild turkey does not have to gobble to ever locate or breed with a hen. I can also tell you with quite a bit of confidence that a hen wild turkey does not ever have to yelp, cluck, purr, kiki, or even speak fluent French in order to locate and breed with a male wild turkey. Turkeys know where turkeys like to frequent, and they know where to find other turkeys. And I definitely am not calling Ray I out because Ray kills turkeys and has killed more turkeys than I will probably ever kill. But we have a difference of opinion about this one topic. And the thing is, no one will ever know who's right or who is wrong. I do believe that there is such a thing as a call-shy turkey. But I really think that we have, we hunters, have given this, I'm going to call it a disease that these turkeys have. We've given this disease the wrong name. I really think that it is more of us making turkeys people shy instead of call shy. So I'm going to tell this story. I know that I've told this a couple of times on the show before, but just bear with me. If you've heard it, because I know there are people who are listening who have not heard it yet. So several years ago, I was hunting a piece of public land and I got there right before daylight, got out of my truck, was standing next to the truck listening, and I hear a turkey gobble about 250 yards or 300 yards into the woods. So I start in that direction, that turkey down one hill, up a hill, down a hill, and I'm starting up the next hill. When that turkey flies down onto that next hill I was about to walk up and starts walking away from me, gobbling about every 30 seconds. I did not know where this turkey wanted to go. So since I didn't know where he wanted to go, I could not get in front of him. And we all know that staying behind a gobbling wild turkey is not a good place to be. I was not in a good place. I was behind him pretty much the entire time that he was walking. This turkey follows this ridge down to where it hits one of the roads. In fact, the road that I drove in on, he goes across the road and down into a bottom where he proceeds to stand and gobble and gobble and gobble. I slip into the area. I sit down. I call. He gobbles. I wait a little bit. I call some more. I'm not calling very loud. I'm not calling very much. And he's answering. And he's gobbling even when I'm not calling. All of a sudden, off in the distance, I can hear a vehicle coming. It's a truck with very loud exhaust. And this truck comes up to the top of the hill, parks, sits there with a motor running for about a minute. As soon as it became obvious that that truck was getting closer to us, before it ever got to the top of the hill where it stopped, that turkey quit gobbling. So... After a minute or so, the driver of the truck turns the truck off. I can hear at least two people talking to one another at a normal volume. And I hear a truck door open and then a truck door slam. And I hear a truck door open and I hear a truck door slam. And I hear at least two people still talking to each other. They talk for a couple of minutes and then I hear a box call. Then it's quiet for a minute or so, and I hear the 
truck door open and a truck door slam. A truck door open and a truck door slam. Hear the engine start. And that truck drives within about 40 or 50 yards of me. I'm not far from the edge of the road. Drives past me and is gone. As soon as that truck got out of hearing range for me, that turkey gobbled again and picked right back up with his gobbling with the same intensity and the same frequency as he was doing before the truck ever pulled up. That turkey was not call shy. He was people shy. And we must be careful to not let turkeys pattern us and of not doing what every other hunter in the woods is doing. So here are a few things that I think that we can do to prevent us from making turkeys people shy or call shy. First, I'm going back to my story. We should get out of the truck. Personally, I cannot stand to hunt from a truck. I can't hear turkeys. I can't call to turkeys. I can't kill turkeys if I'm in the truck. Actually, I guess I could kill turkeys in the truck, but I don't want to kill turkeys in the truck. Driving gravel roads and stopping every quarter of a mile, calling, trying to get a turkey to gobble, is a tactic that will kill a turkey every few years. But getting out of the truck and walking and listening and calling lightly and hunting is going to kill a few turkeys every year. Number two, we should stop calling so much. We call way too much. We should do more listening for turkeys than we should talking to turkeys. And I'm guilty of it myself from time to time. We get in that little mindset of calling and sometimes we really call to hear ourselves call and that's one thing that certainly can make turkeys people shy the third thing that we can do to keep turkeys from getting people shy is we should stop calling so loudly hens typically don't start and end their conversations screaming unless they're angry we should not start and end our conversations screaming in the turkey woods with a turkey call in our hand either. The fourth thing that we can do to adapt and really kind of minimize our hunting styles with the amount of pressure that the turkeys are getting is we should know and think about the phase of the breeding season that we're in and adjust the amount of calling and the volume of our calling according to how much turkey talk is going on. If the turkeys are not very talkative and they're not calling much, then we shouldn't be either. Typically early in the season, the hens are very talkative and we can get away with talking a lot and we can get away with talking a little bit more loudly. But when the gobblers are henned up and then even later into the season, when the hens are starting to sit on the nest, the hens are not as vocal. They're not as loud. We shouldn't be as vocal and as loud. The fifth thing that we can do is we can walk slower. We can be quieter and walk quieter and we can listen more. We should ask ourselves while we're in the woods hunting if we're walking like a turkey walks and if we're listening for other turkeys just like all turkeys do. Think about it. If we don't want to pressure our turkeys, we need to not let our turkeys know we are there. We need to blend in with mother nature and then I think that we will see more of Mother Nature revealing her true self to us with unpressured turkeys and all the good stuff that comes with it. Okay, so I just took 
two topic ideas that I didn't think would fill up an entire episode of the show and talked your ears off for probably about 30 minutes. I hope you guys have enjoyed the show today. I plan on doing a few more of these to try to cover some of these topics that I haven't covered before the new year rolls around and I ask you for more suggestions. So, before I cut you loose this week, I want to ask you for a favor. Would you please like and share the post for this week's episodes on Facebook and Twitter? That would be a huge help for me. It really drives more listeners to the show, and I very much appreciate that. Now's the time when I say thank you guys so much for listening in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.